Hello there, I'm Miranda Gretton and this is Take a Moment with NCHC, the show where we talk to you and your colleagues about experiences that affect you. Listen on your drive between patients or in your downtime, whenever you get the chance to take a moment. In this episode, I chat to the new ambassadors for the LGBTQ plus staff network about their own lived experiences and their hopes for the network. So I'm Katrina, I work in the Service Improvement Partnerships team. I'm Ali, I work on the IT service desk. So you're both ambassadors for the LGBTQ plus staff network. We've had this network for a while, but this is the first time we're really making a lot of noise about the networks. Have you had any meetings for this network yet? So we haven't yet. I think our first meeting is actually in a couple of weeks in Mm -hmm. March, early March. From what kind of I understood is that the network kind of advocating for LGBTQ plus people and trying to develop that sort of, I guess, culture in a way uh, of of being supportive and inclusive and raising awareness and all that. Mm -hmm. Now, we are kind of the non-HR element of the network. So we're bringing it away a little bit from being too corporate, trying to keep it more about the actual staff itself. Which is really important. I think that's really key for all of these networks is that they're represented by staff because that's how you create that safe space, isn't it? That everybody's talking to people who will understand and, and are in that same space. So what are your kind of hopes for the network then for moving forward with it? So, well, at least for me, I mean, I haven't been here very long, but I actually only came out at work about three months ago now so this is quite a yeah that's not long ago not long ago at all um in my head it took me a while to get confident to the position where I could be coming out of work took like eight months or so a lot of people will tell me that's quite quick (laughs) especially considering that I'm still kind of in that transitioning phase of being transgender but for me I've been to places and I've been to like schools and universities and things and they'll have posters everywhere there'll just be an atmosphere that makes it aware that lgbtq plus people exist that they're just Mm -hmm. normal people but they also have their own like needs and accommodations that are useful and i didn't see that so much at nchc so for me like when i looked around my team or the people i interact with on a day-to-day the closest thing i had was like a lanyard that was rainbow that was the only thing I had. So for me to take that first step to tell someone, it was very scary for me. And I'd like it if the network could make someone who was in a similar position, maybe not exactly the same position, not everyone wants or needs to come out of work, but just to feel like less scared about that moment and feel like if they do make that step, they'd feel comfortable and confident in that. Yeah. And I really appreciate that when you you shared that story with me, because I think it's really important to have that place of safety if you're going to do something that courageous. And from my perspective, it's about kind of having the conversations and walking people through being more inclusive in workplaces, because we all come together from different life experiences. And it just impacts everybody in different ways. So it's been open to those conversations And I think that's it with the visibility of having like the badges, that's great. But there's also through the networks having meetings that people can share their stories and kind of gain some connection with others that are experiencing the same thing. And then through that community, you're able to create a change. So that's what I want to see moving forward is that building of awareness. 
Absolutely. Ellie, I think your story is so interesting because it's very courageous. And I'm I'm interested to know whether it took so long for you to come out at work because there wasn't that kind of very obvious support. Like you said, you saw in schools with the posters and everything like that, you know, not seeing that at NCHC. Did that affect your decision? When I started looking for work and I saw NCHC, I kind of already had it in my high, my mind that I would try to come out while I was working here because NHS has just a bit of a reputation of being a nice, open, inclusive workspace. So NCHC already had that going for it. You know, when I was sort of settling in, I was always looking for those signs. I was like looking for those people. I was, you know, trying to not trying to out myself, but maybe I'd ask a little question every now and then in in ways that might help me find out who I, I would be comfortable talking to. It's not like I came and I was like, oh, there are no posters here. This is this is awful. It was like it was like I would go to somewhere else. I'd see the posters. I'd be like, oh, that's really nice. That's really nice. I feel comfortable here. I feel more confident mm-hmm. here that, you know, even if I look a bit weird <laughs> or I talk in a bit of a deeper voice or something, people will at least respect that or understand that. And I'd mm-hmm. like I'd like that to also be here. And I'd like to sort of move NCHC in that direction. And yeah. I think it would also benefit everyone. I don't think it's just a change that would only be for LGBTQ plus people. I think that we'd all benefit from having a more like open, honest place where people can feel like they can be themselves. Yeah, I completely agree. And I think it's just that really, that really obvious sense that you get when you go somewhere that it's absolutely fine to live your truth and to talk about your truth and to just be completely authentic and that that is going to be fine and you need to feel Mm. that from your colleagues and your line manager and your you know as well as the exec like it needs to come all the way through the organization doesn't it I mean IT is a typically male dominated profession isn't it so yeah (laughs) I mean how was it How, how did you find the reaction everyone was great <laughs> funnily enough after I came out to a few people they said to me oh we yeah yeah someone else transitioned in the IT team a couple of years ago or something and I was like what <laughs> I've never met them it was really lovely and you know I remember I would talk to people one-on-one and that have a good reaction and then I'd be like that would encourage me to talk to more people and then it kind of it's like a domino effect I knocked one down and suddenly they all fell down and I was happy to talk to everyone and then that eventually culminated me sending out an email to the whole department <laughs> including some people I hadn't spoken to but it, you know by then I'd, I'd spoken to enough people and some of the emails I got back were just amazing even people that I, I didn't really expect to get a nice email from that I hadn't spoken to just sending me these lovely emails about how they respected that I came out and emailed everyone lots of compliments and all that that's really fantastic. And so so that's obviously, you know, why you wanted to be involved because, you know, your, your lived experience. That was a bit of a moment of change for me because it was kind of before that, I didn't really know. But after that, I did. You know, it's not like it wasn't there. People were just this, you know, nice and accepting and aware and, and conscious about it, but it just never showed, you know, and it doesn't show unless it's kind of, in my case, very forcefully pushed to the mm-hmm. surface. Because I feel like... NCHC is a really nice place to work. There are really lovely people here. And I think the network can really just sort of bring that out a little bit. And Katrina, from your perspective, why did you want to be involved in LGBTQ plus staff network? So I'd been having several conversations with a few of my work colleagues around different issues like gender, sexuality and 
we kind of kept re going over the sort of fear of having these open conversations for fear of getting it wrong almost. So they would come to me and they'd say, oh, I'm having this concern and I want to explore it, but I don't know whether I'm going to get it wrong. And I suddenly realised that although I'm learning myself and although I'm really comfortable just having this conversation, I'm have really interested in learning, that there's so many people within our organisation that are open to that learning as well. So how can I be in that space to help move it along? So that was my initial thought. And personally, from my lived experience, a few years ago, I wouldn't have been confident enough to kind of have this voice within the LGBTQ community in terms of saying whether things like whether I'm happy with things or not, or just being quite confident about them. But I feel like you have to kind of push through your fear sometimes and do them to build your confidence and be courageous in your truth. So it's personally from a learning perspective and also because um, I know that there's other people here within the trust that want to learn. So how can I do that together? We need to stand up and call out issues that we see, make sure these conversations are happening. And the fact that people are coming to you and saying, look, I I want to have the conversation, but I'm not entirely sure if I should or if I can or how to go about it. And I think that's great. It's so much better doing it that way than not saying anything at all. What do you think that the network can do then in terms of promoting exactly what you're doing? I've seen recently some tools in terms of training that are going to be delivered to improve our quality and diversity training. Um, And I've also seen some spreadsheets around microaggressions recently that were circulated um, to improve awareness of how that can impact people. And that drives the conversation forward in itself because it means that the things that people say perhaps through learned behaviour or through just kind of social norms are questioned and it allows us to think well is this still appropriate now or can I change that does that apply anymore you know you're absolutely right although both Ellie and I have lived experience in this field I think allyship means that it's not just an us and them sort of conversation it's literally everybody can be supportive of people regardless as to the sexuality gender and so on everybody can really be embracing that do you think that people historically have been reluctant to join a network such as this if they are just a sort of straight man or a straight woman because they feel like they can't they don't have anything to add or they don't feel it's the place for them do do you think that happens with because they don't really understand what allyship is I think sometimes there's a reluctance it's like fear of the unknown and in the sense that sometimes it can feel if you're if you're passionate about something that you can only knock on the doors that are interested in a particular field so if you're interested in mental health for example people who are also interested in it will seek things on that subject if you're interested in lgbtq plus then you'll find those other people but I think through allyship, it gives you an opportunity to learn things if you are just curious and it's promoting that curiosity. I'd also kind of put out that I think sometimes people don't want to become allies because they don't want to invade a space or they don't want to feel like Mm. they're invading something, which just like to say, it's not true. (laughs) You're definitely not invading it. You're joining (laughs) us. You're kind of supporting what we're doing in our vision, trying to create that kind of inclusive and aware environment. And I hope people do um, join as allies because I think it's very, very important. You're not taking away a voice or taking away a space in the in the network for, that could be 
inverted commas, better used by somebody else. You're joining to give people a voice who, nece- who don't necessarily feel like they can. You know, there could be somebody who d- who ha- does have a, a characteristic that fits LGBTQ+, but is absolutely terrified of coming forward and saying something. So, you know, by being an ally, it doesn't matter what your sexuality is. It doesn't matter. You could be saying to that person, that individual, it's absolutely fine we're all here to say it's fine and then that could give them the confidence to come out and to to, to live their truth that's what's important isn't it yeah and also it means that if you um have a friend family member relative co-worker that has that conversation with you in future then you'll have a bit more awareness and there's that learning opportunity there as well which we're all trying to do as things are progressing because even you know terminology how things are perceived etc changes so quickly that it's good to be up to date and have that chance to think okay well how do I adopt this how do I learn from it and education is obviously so important like you say you know things change quite often terminology etc and you know you mentioned the the people who speak to you about having these conversations but worried they're going to get it wrong so have you experienced that either of you where someone has said something perhaps derogatory but actually you know when they've been called out on it you realize they didn't mean it and actually you know it wasn't it was a learning point and they then felt really bad about it or you know or have you experienced it where they did mean to say it and it was just hateful like is that something you guys have been through it definitely does happen you you hear people say certain thing which you just sort of like the alarm bells are ringing and sometimes it's a bit of an automatic reaction to sort of think like oh god you know it's it's someone who's not being very nice to me kind of deliberately but yeah I've had I've had experience where somebody would say something that they thought was completely fine and like a normal thing to say but then you say to them oh well we don't use that word because it means this and they're like oh I didn't realise. I'm so sorry. <laughs> that kind of reaction. Um, I haven't had really much, at least direct, people being hostile. But I, you know, sometimes you hear, particularly before I came out, you'd hear comments every now and then, just in your presence about it. And you have to first of all look at how you feel about that, because as much as we'd love to, you you can't fight. <laughs> against the whole like homophobia transphobia biphobia all that stuff you can't fight it by yourself you're not really going to start changing the world talking to one person at a time which is why i think having a network is better for combating that because it's a widespread thing definitely and i think it's important that the network is a safe space to be able to take things like that so if people can if people have experienced any kind of discrimination that they can come to the network discuss it in a really safe space and get everyone's opinions and thoughts and feelings and and maybe an action plan for how to move forward things they could say in the moment things they might say after the event you know ways to deal with that kind of thing because like you say it, it it's still there unfortunately So we live in quite a cisgendered, heteronormative society whereby we assume people's gender by their prefixes, their pronouns. You know, we ask people if they're, for example, somebody who identifies as a woman, we'll say to them, what's your boyfriend like? But that may not be the case for them. And there's these constant microaggressions that you experience when you confront people who have these sort of normative ideas I think as a you know as a woman who who's aware of the sort of issues that come with the LGBT network and framework you identify in several different cases throughout your life in terms of you know how you treat 
other people, what you're experiencing. Um, and even down to, you know, in terms of travel, where you can travel to if you're in a um, same-sex relationship, because not everywhere is still legal. So there's, I suppose, that wider contextual thing that kind of hinders our experience of the world. And from a personal perspective, I know friends who've been beaten up because they're gay and also been called quite horrible names because of their gender identity. So it still happens quite a lot. And it's surprising how many people come forward with that when you're part of that community. So I do think things have changed, but I still think there's a long way to go. Yeah, I was going to ask you how far you think we've come. It was so interesting what you said about if you're in the community, it's amazing how many stories like that you hear. So Mm-hmm. In order to un- to really understand, we need to be part of the community. And actually, the community mm-hmm. should just be our community. It shouldn't be a separate yeah. thing. You know, is that is that the goal then, to kind of get just one big community that is diverse heritage, diverse abilities, LGBTQ+, it's just people? I know that it's nice to be able to kind of mix up going to each of the different staff networks so that you can learn these experiences. That's been my experience of the first meetings that I've gone to is just finding out okay well what is that person's experience and depending on that person's background you know you will hear different stories because of that. Talking about the trust and the trust's vision kind of moving forward what does trust-wide allyship look like to you? So I think that trust-wide allyship looks like we have a strong staff network so for diverse heritage for disabilities for LGBT plus and there's you know awareness raising events there's a sort of culture of learning from each of the networks that are engaged with how we change, you know, what our culture within the trust looks like. And also that there's an engagement and understanding across the trust that this is something that we value and we're, you know, learning from each other for. And we're constantly in the kind of stage of learning. We haven't completely got this or completely grasped it. And whilst we're all learning together that we um, are engaging and being kind to each other, as you said. Yeah, so I I, I was going to say that I think right the way from the top, right down to the bottom, there's just kind of like this understanding and this drive to keep moving forward, to keep getting better at these kind of things about increasing inclusivity, as I said, with all the networks, just allowing people to live their truths or just live as themselves. They don't have to share it. You don't have to come out or declare disability or anything, but just kind of that safety and confidence that people can feel when they're at the trust. And even insofar as how that communicates to patients as well, you know, I'm saying this as someone works in IT, but I, I feel like having nice inclusive awareness from staff within staff would also translate to patients as well. So I can only imagine it would be a good thing. Patient outcomes should be at the forefront of all of our minds, you know, and you say working in IT, yeah, you may not be patient facing, but you're working for the patients, you know, you're keeping our clinicians running so that they can serve the patients, like all of us work for the patients. And I think you're absolutely right that having staff members who are inclusive and kind if they were to encounter an LGBTQ plus patient would be fine. But also if anybody, if a staff member was in the community and wanted to feel comfortable going out to patients, it works both ways, doesn't it? And I think you're absolutely right. We need to think of that as a really good benefit to the networks. Let's say someone's listening to the podcast now and they are thinking, well, I think I want to join, but I'm not entirely sure. Why should they join? I think they should join the network because there's a diverse range of people who've got 
different experiences and it's the beginning of something earlier on we mentioned that this is kind of almost like a relaunch of the network so we're starting to roll out events build up the network meetings and things so at this point there's going to be a lot of requests to become more involved and shape it moving forward so we're kind of in that growth phase so you know it's a really good opportunity to be part of something that's growing yeah and I was going to add because um I've heard this uh, from a few a few different people who, who are hesitant to join the network because they kind of perceive it as something for younger people because uh, a, a lot of what we're talking about is in the future it's about moving things forward as a sort of steady thing toward, towards the future which obviously benefits younger people tremendously but at the same time yeah, at least from my perspective I'd love to hear from people who've been LGBTQ plus and been out for <laughs> longer than I have <laughs> for certain and, mm-hmm. and just to hear those stories and I think you know as much as we talk about benefits in the future I'd like to think that the staff network will bring benefits now and help people feel happier and better and more comfortable in general. Absolutely I mean how brilliant would it be if that space was somewhere you could ask questions you could say you know I'm mm-hmm. This, I have a question about this and I don't know what to do about this and what should I, you know, what should I read to understand it? And that, you know, somebody who, like you say, has been out for years, who's been through that, lived it and can help. That's such a great space for that. You know, there is still quite a perceived amount of stigma around these topics. And I suppose having the network means that we're saying, yeah, there is a safe space. You know, some people might not be comfortable having these conversations at work, but might occasionally dip their toe into a meeting um, and just learn and see other people and not say anything, but know that it's there if the resource is needed and that's okay as well. And it's those little baby steps sometimes that can make somebody feel comfortable before they try and take a leap. We're also coming out of a pandemic and lockdowns and self-isolation and all that stuff. So we've had a good two to three years now of things being cancelled and shut down and closed off. And I'd like it if, you know, this is an opportunity to open up a bit more and to to reconnect. You can join. You don't have to to come to the meeting, you know. might send you a few emails now and then but you know if you you think I don't really want to go to a meeting and talk to people and I don't know if I'm ready for that or I I don't have the time but maybe one day you you do have the time and you do feel like going to it and then the option's there for you. Thank you for listening to Take a Moment with NCHC. If you've enjoyed this podcast please visit the podcast intranet page to leave a comment and for details of our other episodes. You can also follow NCHC on all social media channels.